the year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithies Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. G'day, g'day, this is Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid and you're listening to the All Australian Music Stories. This episode focuses on the solo career of Digby Richards. He was Australia's very first teen idol and as lead singer of Dig Richards and the RJs and as a solo artist, he proved he was more than just a pretty face. Digby achieved chart success over three decades and his music is as diverse as any other Aussie musician. To my way of thinking, Digby Richards is a sort of forgotten man of Australian music. His legacy and his entire catalogue is as diverse as I've ever heard. His musical styles changed, but more importantly, he did it bloody well. In this episode, I speak with Leon Isaacson and Dig's younger brother, Doug Richards. The sound quality of the recording with Doug isn't that great, so I apologise for that. However, what is great is the music you're about to hear. I hope you enjoy listening to the solo career of Digby Richards. Stay till I make it 
Cleveland And you can call me country I don't mind Yeah, you can call me country Anytime So this is part two of my chat with Leon Isaacson. This episode concentrates on uh, Dig Richards, or he became Digby Richards and his solo career. So Dig continues to release new music through festival and has some chart success with a great cover of a Ricky Nelson song, Raincoat on the River. I'm gonna throw... My raincoat in the river gonna toss My umbrella in the sea The sun's gonna shine like never before It ain't gonna rain, gonna rain no more now My baby's coming back to me I said now My baby's coming back to me Mm, Can't you see? My raincoat in the river floating down Forever out of sight For every drop of rain that fell on my face I know we're gonna share another sweet embrace now My baby's coming back to me I said now My baby's coming back to me I know the rain's been a-drippin', a drip drop a drip on every day you've been away But all of that is a-stoppin', there'll be no drip a-droppin', you're back to stay That's why I say I'm gonna throw my raincoat in the river, gonna toss My umbrella in the sea, the sun's gonna shine like never before It ain't gonna rain, gonna rain no more now My baby's coming back to me I said now My baby's coming back to me Come, 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 come Now my baby's coming back to me Did you play on this song? I didn't play on on the first raincoat in the river, but I played on a second track. We we put a different riff in it, but the the one that was a hit, no, I wasn't on it. Well, to me, one of the best songs recorded by Dig in this period is a song, Live and Love and Wreck. It's the B-side to Come On and Dance, and you guys were cooking in the studio. Baby, I'm a living, loving wreck Wow, I 
play on that though didn't you Living oh yeah, yeah i did but by that time we weren't the rjs anymore anymore we were the rajas you were the rajas and we never said we're crossing over to the other episode yeah I but that, know. that'll make sense to people down the track but yeah, yeah, yeah. so the as, as you said the uh the rjs become the rajas yeah. and you were the backing band for for festival so you were the house band for festival records so it still must have been a great chemistry he he was the leader of you guys a little bit earlier yeah and now coming back in as the the temporary leader i suppose how, how did did everything just roll on as normal with you guys as mates and all that sort of stuff oh yeah of course and uh and especially i mean dig used to sometimes uh just take john with him john hayton and and do little spots here and there you know but dig went into a different phase where he was his management was taken over by a guy called bill watson who was managing lucky star and of course bill watson wanted him to be uh, a sort of a straight sort of a guy and a comedian, you know. And of course, Dig's a pretty amiable guy and he goes along with anything you say. And I mean, uh, he was sick of the old image of being the pretty boy all the time. And because he was the pretty boy, he can't be any good, you know what and I mean? He was, uh, was classed as the James Dean of Australian rock and yeah, roll, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So to get out of that image and, and look like something else, you know, Dig was up for that. In 1965, Dig becomes a TV compare and hosts his own Australian-wide program, the Dig Richards Ampole Show. And it was like a variety-type show, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, that that was like Bill Watson trying to make him into somebody straight, you know. Like, he he, did, he didn't want the old uh, rock and roll teenage idol image. So it was, so. It was a, a fair way removed from, say, a six o'clock rock or rough oh, and ready type Oh, my God, thing. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, was, he was trying to change his uh, image. Uh, I mean... It was easy for us to change our image, you know. We we're a band. We 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 didn't have to try and live up to any image because we didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dig, like yourself, performed for the troops in Vietnam. I'll go into your Vietnam experience in the Rajas episode. However, can you tell me a bit about the song that Dig released in 1967 on the CBS label, the Aussie Bush Hat? 
Did he write this song? Ah, look, that would have been something that Bill Watson would have cooked up. Because it's a great patriotic type song. Maybe he wrote it. Yeah, he wrote it, but it would have been something that Bill Watson would have pushed to do, you know, to fit his new image. To tie into tie yeah, into that. Yeah, yep. I'm no longer a teenage idol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's about his, it's about Diggs' experience in Vietnam. Yeah, and, yeah, the bush hat. I, yeah. I, I do remember the song and everything. Here's Doug Richards' view on the Aussie bush hat. And I can certainly understand his point of view, but to me, at least a song like this covers part of our history. And since this time, there's been so many songs written and recorded about the Vietnam War. And I suppose, in the very least, this song was written by somebody who was actually there and saw the conflict firsthand. Yeah, he did write that, uh, with a lot of help from Bill and all that sort of stuff. He didn't really want to do it because he thought it was a bit yucky, you know. Um, was, uh, yeah, it was sort of a tribute, but it was a bit puke-worthy, shall we say, you know. Um, he didn't like it. I didn't like it, because to me it was just such a, a condescending and... Uh, sort of using the Vietnam War as a selling point for something. And that I didn't like that, and neither did Digby, Digby much, but Bill did, because oh, there was money in the bank, man. Hey! You know? <laughs> Over a sad land, ridden with fear, a chopper lifted us to a place called Berea. And as I climbed on a stage and heard the men cheer, I wondered why had I come to sing my songs here. And after the show, in a tent with a beer, a soldier from Sydney started to bend my ear with a story of his mate who wasn't here to see the show in a place called Berea. The digger told me, my mate was looking forward to seeing the show. Not so much you, but the girls, you know. Oh, nothing against you, but there's no place to go, and all the boys wanted to see the show. Then last night we got escort duty to take the dock into the village, you see, where a child had been hurt. She was only age three. Just another job for my mate and me. When the doc saw the kid, it was already too late. He could see by what they'd done she was Viet Cong bait. He yelled, get out, it's a trap, don't wait. Doc and me got out, but they zapped my mate. Until then, the soldier's voice was steady and set. Then it broke, and I saw that his eyes were wet. Before I left, he told me that he wanted me to have his mate's bush hat. Flying back over this land of fear, the bush hat in my hand still wet with tears, I think of the little girl and the soldier at Berea, and now I know why we have to be here. This story is true. It happened to me in South Vietnam where I was with an AFO show on June the 22nd, 1966. And to remind me of it always, I have the Aussie bush hat.
Here's Digby speaking with Brian Henderson on an episode of Bandstand, just after returning from Vietnam. The sound quality is ordinary, but I'm sure you'll find it interesting. You've, uh, as we remarked before, spent more time in Vietnam almost than the 1st Battalion. <laughs> and I wonder if you look at the song now of Cole Joined Little Patty in Vietnam, and uh, perhaps you might recognise where they're playing. Sure. It's, uh, it's not sure. identified with the little bit of script we got. Here we go. Cole Joined Little Patty and the Joy Boys in Vietnam. Do you know the location? Well, it, a lot of it looks the same, so I... Do the fellows know beforehand who's coming in, or are they just aware there's a concert party coming through? Well, they have to... Sometimes they only decide two weeks before who's going to be along. That's the reason they don't know, but usually it seeps along the grapevine and they find out before they arrive. And they're magnificent audiences, of course. Marvellous. You spend a lot of time after the show talking with them. I guess there's so many things they want to know about back home. Well, we uh, talk to as many as possible, but a lot of times they have to go straight back into action uh, so that the people that are in action at the time can come and see the show. You see, they replace them. Oh, it's more just a, a shuttle. Mm, they shuttle them all the time. It looks very hot there. Jesus. Do you find that? 110, 120. Hey, do you perform, I think, on the back of a truck? Yeah, right? sometimes. Uh-huh. How many shows would you do in a day? Three is the most that you would do. Little Patty, finding the Joy Boys there. She is. I hope that lots of people seeing this will see uh, the faces of those near and dear to them. I think the boys would love to see her anyway. I think that's right up near the front line. They're with, almost within uh, earshot of the mm. sounds of battle. Yeah. Well, that's where they are. You've got to go. There they are. Well, Cole and Patty will be back in a couple of weeks, and uh, we're planning a special with them that I'm sure everyone will find very interesting, uh, especially if you've got friends or relatives serving in Vietnam. It will be a request show from the boys for people at home, and that should be in about a month's time. The next few years, Dig spends performing overseas in the UK and the USA and working at his craft. He records in the UK, including the quirky little Pepito. The Spanish bandito His pistolas Hung down to his knees Ah, little papito The Spanish bandito Senorita say no, no Papito, he say si, si Terra of the marketplace Everyone know his face Brave men run away in fear Whenever Papito is near He draws his big black gun Lines up everyone Just when he thinks he's one He says Hey, hombre Stick down, this is a hands up I mean, up foot, this is a hand stick Oh no, handy foot up, this is a stick down Ah, caramba A little papito The Spanish bandito His pistolas Hung down to his knees Ah, little Pepito The Spanish bandito Senorita, say no, no Pepito, say si, si Here's Doug Richards talking about Digby's time in England and the troubles that he faced trying to get some records out. 
Digby had gone to England, right? And he had the most incredible run of bad luck there, right? And there's something to believe in, and little Pepito started to get a lot of airplay and needed to have more records, and what did they do? They had a strike on uh, either production of records or production of vinyl. And then the next record he did had the same, a very similar thing, you know, so without one or the other, you couldn't make records. A distribution thing, yeah. So that really annoyed him, you know, so he just just couldn't turn a trick. I mean, he did a lot of stuff there. He did a lot of backings for people because he had a particularly rich, low voice. When he sang bass voice, which he did, he made Pee Wee Wilson sound like a tenor. (laughs) Here's the flip side to Little Pepito, and it's a song called Something to Believe In. Sing me a song that I can sing along with Just give me something to believe in Come on and read me a book where I don't know every line of it Just give me something to believe in I've heard the words that you have spoken Believe the promises you've broken Right now the skies are gray Can't wait for a sunny day Blue skies are gonna be on their way uh, Sing me a song that I can sing along with Just give me something to believe in Read me a book where I don't The music that we made together I will remember forever We had too much to soon Down came a red balloon Right now music's not in tune Come on and sing me a song That I can sing along with Just give me something to It was yeah. released for Europe and yeah, so it was a bit of, it was just what I think he was there just working and trying, trying his best. Oh yeah. Trying, trying new stuff. I mean, look, it wasn't until Dig went to America and started writing his own songs that suddenly it all started coming together, you know, and, uh, and Dig did some great stuff from then on because he'd found it, he'd found another image and he'd gotten away from that stupid image that Bill Watson was trying to give him. And he, as you said, he found himself as a musician. All of a sudden, he was, like we'd said before, everyone was growing and, and Dig grew as a musician and became, yeah. you know, people from that era, he, he was one of the one of the ones that was able to transgrew the 60s into the 70s, into the 80s. Yeah. And his music moved on, on through this, as we'll hear in this episode. So was it hard to speak a, a musician's language with Dig to start with or was he just a singer to begin with? No, no, Dig could always play a bit of guitar. I mean, John had never let him play. He yep. reckoned he wasn't good enough. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he could always strum out a few chords and everything. So so musically, uh, you know, Dig was uh, 
no, he wasn't just a lead singer. He, he actually knew about music, you know. But as a guitarist later on, as we hear in this music, he put out some complex music, wrote yeah. some complex music. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he used to get together with John and uh, and work out a lot of stuff, you know, Johnny Hayton. So Dig became pretty good at that. And and you'd always be going to Dig's place, and Doug would be there with his guitar chundering away, and John and everyone playing bloody guitars yeah you know too many guitars <laughs> especially for a drummer <laughs> yeah yeah I know. showing a change in style dig releases one single on the emi label patricia anthony patricia anthony writes letters to dear abby she writes a letter every day I read her letters in the paper every morning Tonight I'll write to her and say Yeah, I'll say Come on in Patricia Anthony Into my lonely life today Yeah, I'll say Come on in Patricia Anthony Love has a funny way of finding a way Patricia Anthony wrote back to me this morning Special delivery it came I sent a photograph and she sent one back to me We found our feelings were the same So I say, come on in Patricia Anthony Into my lonely life today yeah, I say, come on in, Patricia Anthony. Love has a funny way of finding a way. And a funky little song called A Man's Gotta Be Free. Looked like an old man walking So I pulled to a stop beside him there And pretty soon we started talking I said, what's an old man like you Doing out in the middle of nowhere With your fine cut suit and your Stetson hat Sure looked to me like you had the bus fare He said, a man has got to be free To be where he wants to be He said, a man has got to be free Money and fine looking clothes, it sure ain't no way to travel. And then he turned to me with a gleam in his eyes, and his tail he started unravel. He said, Son, I'm a millionaire, sure, I got money to burn. I got closets full of clothes and shoes to match, and a very big wheel to turn. But he said, A man, a man, got to be free, free. to be Women 
magazines and everything money can buy. And if there's anything at all I wish to acquire, I don't even have to try. Just think about this for a little while and you'll see just where it's at. With all this money and all the good things, it tends to make a man fat. I don't really mean to say it makes him large around the girth, but it tends to make him close his mind to the place of his humble birth. He said a man has got to be free To be where he wants to be mm, He said a man has got to be free To walk on reality He said out here a man is only as good as the legs he's walking on There ain't no use here for money and such that I'm used to leaning on Well, I wanted to hear some more from him, so I asked him to ride along. He said, no thanks, son, you got a job to do, and uh, you better travel along. So I drove my truck around the next bend, and I saw why he turned me down. A chauffeur-driven car was waiting there just to take him on back to town. You know, it's been a long time since I saw that old man walking along the road. But it seems to me that he found a good way to ease his worrisome load. He said, a man got to be free. So Dig burst back onto the charts in 1971 with the release of the album Harlequin through RCA. Playing country rock and now known by his real name, Digby Richards, the album features some great songs including the hit song Little Piece of Peace. I have found my little piece of peace Feeling your warm body close to mine My fears all fly away Just a little piece of peace When the mountains get too high Too steep to climb Too hard to find a way Just a Subside Weary of the day Impatient for the night When you dry my tears Then we'll love our fears away Oh, 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 
This song goes on to reach number 12 on the charts, and it must have been great to see your old band leader back in fashion. Oh, no, it was, because I, I knew all the guys that uh, he recorded that with. They were a band called Scra, which was uh, a Peter Martin guitar player's band, and uh, this is a band that sort of came out of the, uh, the chant, which was a band I was in, and... Uh, it, it was the time of uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears in Chicago, that that kind of a band. And so uh, Dig used that, and that was some of the first time. You, the, the backing sounded really good, and, and Dig's songs were great. Well, yeah, he the production is starting to, to match his quality as a musician, so it's yeah. it, was, it was great to hear what he was able to do. Yeah, the recording qualities were getting better than the old festival days, <laughs> days you know. <laughs> Another great song on this album is Dirty River, and again, it sees Digby in fine form.
amongst you guys, did he go by Digby or Dig? How 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 did you guys refer to him? Oh, he was usually Dig. It was was always John that called him uh, Digby, or or he called call him George. Okay, yeah. that was his what? second name. Okay, yeah. Digby George Richards, and then come on, George, what are you doing? You know, yeah. So the, the Digby was just a new image. Like he decided, well, to change from Dig Richards, the guy with the lightning bolt sweater. Yeah, yeah. I'll become Digby, and you know my musical musical style will change with that with the name change. Well, yeah. Well, I suppose he he was always Digby, but I mean, when Johnny Hayton first discovered him in in 1957 or whatever it was. He sort of got him for the band because he had such a good name, Dig. <laughs> Dig Richards, how cool is that? And and then John used to be the one that always, every now and again, called him Digby. So you, it was obviously John picked well. He is a guy that had a great name, looked good, and then turned out to be a great singer and musician as yeah. well. So Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he kicked a goal when he got... Dig in the band. And that was at a, uh, a record store in uh, in the middle of the city, wasn't yeah, it? They were just hanging yeah, out. Stanley and- Johnson's, they were hanging out. And uh, and and I think Dig, Dig was trying to sing Bopalina, which is an old Ronnie Self tune. And he was going, oops, scoobly doobly 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 And he, he kept getting, John said, no, 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 no. It's, oops, scoobly doobly Lena, go cat, go. Bopalina, Bopalina. He went, oh, right. And then they started channeling around and they were both, trying out guitars and, they went, and John thought hey this guy looks good you know he's not much of a guitar player but I'll get him for the band <laughs> <laughs> had a great decision <laughs> yeah so Digby has more chart success with another single off the Harlequin album with the release of People Call Me Country which reaches number 27 on the ARIA charts Spend 25 days walking on a freeway Leaving home Going it alone Going to the city City ain't so pretty But it's calling me Calling me Ash fell through the concrete trees 707 mockingbirds a flying in the sky My country clothes brought smiles to the faces of the people Country ways seem better days Sometimes I die for the things I left behind I left them behind Yeah, people call me country, but I don't mind They laugh and call me country, but I don't mind if country means love freely given A kind of way to be living Then you can call me country I don't mind Yeah, you can call me country Someone to love ain't easy Finding a woman's as hard as it can be Just ask me People are hurrying by Nobody sees the tear in a country boy's eye 
how I cry The wind in the concrete trees is a lonely sound The singing of the steel mockingbirds puts me down The clothes on my back are all that I can call my own But I'll stay till I make it I'm gonna make it Going home, going home Yeah, people call me country, but I don't mind They laugh and call me country, but I don't mind If country means love freely given A kind of way to be living Then you can call me country, I don't mind Yeah, you can call me country yeah, these are all the good songs that Dig, uh, I think he composed most of those when he was in America. Yeah, uh, he'd come back with some great songs. And his fans hadn't forgotten him? No, no, well, yeah, Dig was one of those guys that the, the fans did stay with him, you know, no matter that he went through all these different changes, and they'd all still remember the face and whatever. And Dig was a pretty personable guy, you know, and he he, he got on well with everybody. And talking about the girls, he held a piece of their heart. You know, Dig was a charming charming guy and uh you know you'd never hear a bad word coming out of dick you know he's always nice to people and i think in the really early stages there he was kind of embarrassed by his success you know because he was kind of shy i suppose and uh he he was embarrassed to be called a teenage idol and all that stuff you know and he, i think he then he tried to live that down there for a while and but yeah but his personality always came through Here's an interview with Digby on the Australian TV show, GTK. Dig Richards has come up with a good news song. Where have you been? Uh, for the last five or six years, Bernie, I've uh, been travelling around the world, spending six months approximately a year in Australia, and the rest of the time outside, either performing or uh, trying to get a record off the ground. I've what you called, what I might call, tramp steamed my way around. Well, what sort of places have you been working in? Uh, clubs in the East. Uh, I'd play the Intercontinental Hotel circuit, say they have one in Manila. Uh, the Hilton in Bangkok and Hong Kong. What sort of work did you do in Britain? You were there for a year, I think. I was there for a year. I only planned to be there for six months, but um, uh, we stayed a little longer. Went there purely and simply to make some records and to try and get one off the ground. Well, you started dig in the bright but somewhat frivolous early days of rock mm. and a lot of the, your associates of those days have fallen by the wayside. How have you managed to sort of stay with it? Ah, well I I don't really know except to say that uh, I believe in involvement. I'm, I like performing. I like uh, the involvement of music. In other words, I like what's happening now uh, and in, in the pursuit of all these things I've somehow stayed somewhere. I don't know where, but... Well, what prompted Piece of Peace? The record, well, 
in England I became involved in songwriting, serious songwriting. Uh, I'm not somebody who can churn out six songs a week, but uh, I would work for five or six hours a day on writing songs now. And I was sitting in my dingy little office with a stingy ray of sunlight <laughs> coming through the window and I, I thought, well, everybody for years has talked about peace in the world. Everybody is fighting to try and get a peaceful existence, but really, in the world today, where does one have their little piece of peace? And really, I think every man has it in the arms of a woman that he loves and he trusts. Some people only get this peace for five or six seconds, maybe, but that's where it's at for me. Now, you recorded it in Melbourne, didn't you? In Melbourne, at the Armstrong studio set up there. They used the 16-track for the first time, I think, didn't they? Well, it was the first 16-track recorder in Australia, and just by chance, mine was the first record to be done on it. Mm. Sixteen track recorders don't mean a lot unless the people can become involved and believe in what they're doing, which they do down there, far past the point of, of earning a dollar. So following the success of the Harlequin album, Digby heads to LA to record the follow-up and in 1973 releases a self-titled album, Digby Richards, and again he has chart success. He's morphed into a country rock star rather than the pop teen idol and again, it must have been great to see your old mate just rocking out. Wow, well, yeah. Well, it's funny that uh, when Dig came back, I mean, the day it was the day after he came back, John Hayton and I went over to see him, you know, and he played us all the tapes, and we we're listening. Oh, yeah, this is great, Dig. This is great. And and did you write this? Yeah, you write write that one. And then uh, the one that blew us away was that he played rock and roll. I gave you the best years of my life. Rock and roll, I gave you. All the best years of my life All my crazy, lazy young days All the magic summer nights I can still remember When I bought my first guitar Remember just how good the feeling was Putting it proudly in my car And my family listened 50 times To my two-song repertoire and I told them all that their only son was bound to be a star. I bought all the Beatle records, I sounded just like Paul. And I bought all the old Chuck Berries, 78s and all. And I sat by my record player, playing every note they played. And I watched them all on TV. Making every move they made Rock and roll I gave you All the best years of my life All my dreamy sunny Sundays All the moonlit summer nights While I was busy in the back room Writing love songs to you You were changing your directions And you never even knew That I was always Just one step behind you. We we both said, "Dig that that's so autobiographical." You know, that's one of the best songs you've ever written. And he said, "Oh, he had to confess." He said, "I didn't write it. A guy called Kevin Johnson wrote it." I said, "Well, I'll be." You know, it's even got his girlfriend Sue, and it's got 
all Dig's life in there. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did Kevin write this about Dig or just Kevin just wrote the song no, and it no, just fitted well, Dig so well? No, well, uh, Kevin, Kevin did, did, did tell me later that uh, the first time he saw us at, was at, uh, I think it was Rockhampton or Townsville, and uh, he was really impressed by Dig and and he reckons that after seeing that show, that was when he went and bought a guitar. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, when I first bought my guitar. And we can't, you can never put a number on this, but the amount of musicians and people that you guys would have inspired to become rock and roll singers and, and, and lifelong musicians that contributed to the Australian music scene – it's it's unquantifiable, but as you just said, then you know someone like Kevin Johnson, rock and roll. I gave you the best years yeah. of my life. You guys inspired him to grab a guitar. I know. I mean, sometimes you know you don't realise these things until years later. Uh, there there was a a young guy that came to see me when we were playing in Dig's hometown, Naruma. You know, with Dig Richards and the RJs, and there's even a picture of him in the Woman's Weekly. Just the back of his head, and he's ten years old. This kid, and it was a guy called Dave Tuil, who plays the drums with Mental as Anything. Okay, yes, yep. yeah, and that was he. He saw saw me when he was ten, and went, "That's it, I'm going to be a drummer." Well, there you go. <laughs> and look, and at, we still laugh about it. And look at the, some of the hits the Mentals have put out. You know, I know, incredible. I know, I know. So, so the standout song on the Digby Richards album is called Spunky Monkey and it's released a great success.
It hits number 12 on the charts and the lyrics are a good laugh, but the music is just so funky and catchy. And I'm assuming there was some sort of spunky monkey dance that went along with this song, was there? I don't know. Dig used to come up with some strange ideas sometimes. (laughs) But at least he had the conviction to carry him through. And that song just rocks along too, you know, from a from a guy who's released a song in 1959 and and to, to having such a, a funky style song, it's it just shows his versatility as a performer. Yeah, well, he was versatile. I mean, he had a, he had a kind of a versatile voice, you know. In the early days, we used to worry about whether he could get the higher notes and everything because he, he, he had quite a good baritone voice as well, but you know, most of the rock and roll things were up there, you know, and Digger be struggling to get up there. We go, is he going to make it? <laughs> you know? So, uh, I mean, I mean, his singing just got better and better. The next song that Digby Richards releases off this album is another top 40 hit, New York City. Here's Doug Richards. New York City, great song. Yeah. Um, great piece of song. was also recorded in America several times by Americans. <laughs> I do hope that uh, um, Digby's estate, uh, because by the time it was done, he was also dead at that point. <laughs> uh, so I do hope that Susanna, Suzanne um, received the royalties because it was recorded uh, by a pretty couple of pretty prominent, what's the name, uh, George Hamilton IV did it, and a couple of other co- uh, prominent country people did that, and they did it okay, and it was Digby's songs. Let's have a listen to Digby play in New York City. So you went and took the night train out to New York City And you took my heart and my future traveling back And you think you'll make it big in the bright lights of New York City Thinking about the good times only makes me sad New York City sends
send her on home, yeah. New York City, send my Love that one, yeah. Uh, when when Dig came back, we had to learn all these songs, you know, because we were going on tour with him, John and me, and it was like the old band was back. And we did a we did a whole lot of uh, stuff for a few months. Um, and we used to like playing that one, New York City, and yeah, that was good fun. And and uh, one place we played was uh, was North Sydney, and, and Dig's father Gordon came to see us. And he was almost in tears seeing the whole band back together again on stage. It was it was great. You mentioned Gordon then. He was he was the manager of the band or the Dig Richards and yeah, the RJs. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and we ex, used to call him the, yeah, we used to call him the blunderer. Okay, yeah. You know, because he you know, I mean he was new at the whole game. I mean it, we all everyone was new, people didn't know what to do, but you know, Peter Baker, the bass player, always complained about Gordon. You know he's 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 goofed up again. You know he's he's the blunderer. <laughs> <laughs> Another standout song on the Digby Richards album is Sweetwater Valley. This song has a great country rock sound. Recorded in LA, as we said before, the production values went up a few steps from the old festival days. Is where sweet water falls And kneeling down To take a little drinks Like sipping wine Home is where the little woman Lies waiting, keeping it warm I gotta make it back By the summertime Give me a drink of sweet water Give me the taste of a wine Feel my woman's body nestling close to mine And I know I'm home, home I know I'm home Sweet water valley, I know I'm home Where the sweet, sweet water Where sweet water falls And lying down to love her Is just like tasting wine I'm lying on my back In a fruit picker shack And I know I'll go crazy If I don't make it back By the summertime So she can give me a drink Of sweet water Give me the taste of her wine of her woman's body nestling close to mine, then I'll know I'm home. Home, I'll 
Around this time, 1975, Dig joins forces with your partner in crime, Johnny Hayton, and with Johnny forms the uh, Farmer John persona. Dig adds vocals and plays guitar, along with John, of course. Brian Cadd's on piano, Phil Manning, and they release a country funk album, Farmer John. Where were you? Oh, I was behind it all, you know, but I, I was I was doing something else. I, I was in The Chant, a band, band called The Chant. And we were playing that now, Blood, Sweat and Tears, Chicago type things, and I was loving every minute of it. But I used to still go over there and and dig saying, we're going to make John a star, you know, we're going to call him Farmer John. So we had a good laugh about that, <laughs> you know. And uh, and I wrote some of the arrangements okay, for yep. him, you know, because I used to write arrangements. So I wrote some of the arrangements for the songs. And then Dig took the whole – they went down to Melbourne and, and, and got all these guys from – was it Tweed Harris and uh, – yeah, well, a whole was... lot of people. Yeah, yeah, but all all the good guys in Melbourne. Phil anyway, Manning, yeah. yeah, Phil Manning and uh, uh, drummer, good drummer. Anyway, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> in 1977, Dig releases another album titled Collections. The album doesn't have the chart success of his previous solo albums, but it still has some great songs on it. And to me, one of the highlights is a song called Mister Hardman. <laughs> Thank you. 
Another song I really like off the Collections LP is Little Suzuki. Again, it's showing Dig progresses from, from style to style. back in vogue and he continues to write and record some fantastic songs in 1977 another single was released where there's smoke there's fire this song has a great groove on it and again it just shows dig's progression as an artist was it a look in her eye walking by all the way that she moved That was all so frightening I had to see Was there a chance there for me? So I talked to her friend And her friend told me She just said Where the smoke is fire Where the smoke is fire Yeah, 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 yeah No, I ain't no liar In 
1980, Dig Again shows his willingness to take chances and bring his audience along for the ride. His next album is titled The Thing Is, and it contains a song called Hong Kong Nights. So it's using synthesizers, and Dig is not adverse to new technologies. His LP sells well, but chart-wise, it doesn't reach the heights of the earlier albums. However, musically, it's equal to anything that's being released at the time. Another highlight on this album is the catchy Go For The Doctor. Same since you came walking through my door. 
thinking fast I need a little love and affection If I'm gonna last I need your arms around me Just to feel relieved You can be my doctor, baby Cause love's the drug I need You better Go for the doctor I've been taken by surprise Love is coming, running down I got spots before my eyes You better prolific songwriter, Dig releases another album in 1982, If You Could Read My Mind. This album leans more towards the American genre of yacht rock, such as Steely Dan and Kenny Loggins and Christopher Cross. Dig is the best Australian exponent at this laid-back style of rock, and there's some really catchy tunes on this album, such as Back to the Islands. Another song on the If You Could Read My Mind LP 
is called Heart to Heart, and it's a softer song that focuses on Diggs' vocals. I think Dig just lashed out and wrote a whole lot of stuff uh, in those days. Um, some of them were hits and some of them were just uh, everyday songs, you know, and you just put them out there. What I often find too to fans, some of the deeper album cuts are some of the songs that really, really attract you to that artist. So it's not necessarily the hits that people remember Dig by, it's you know, songs have, have meanings in different parts of their lives for different reasons. And for an artist that was around for such a long period of time, obviously Dig had a, uh, an influence on people's lives. Oh, um, absolutely, I, I think, you know, and, and Dig, you know, if you're in that songwriting uh, field, you know, you just put out whatever comes to your mind. And, uh, and, and sometimes it's the law of averages for every 12 songs you put out. Two of them are going to be good, and uh, ten of them are probably going to be ordinary, you know. So, and then, and then even in those ten, some of them will have meaning to other people, and, and and have their own little life. 
Sadly, Diggers is diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and in his early 40s and still a young man. This is obviously a really hard time for his family and his friends when this was diagnosed. Oh, yeah, we're all just devastated, you know. It, it's, it's too young. You know, I mean, Digger had a pretty full life and a pretty, uh, pretty ha- happy, happy-go-lucky life, and uh, he took it in his stride, you know, and uh, he just showed us all up, just the way he, um, he took it all so calmly. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awful. On the 17th of February, 1983, Digby George Richards passes away, aged just 42. Australian music lost one of its pioneers and you lost a mate. Obviously, wounds like that are very hard to heal, are they, Leo? Oh, they are. Look, we, we went round to see Dig as often as possible, you know, and uh, and he, he was, you know, withering away and he used to laugh. We, we'd get there to his place at Northbridge and uh, and John was John Hayton was going through the, this period where he had uh, arthritis and everything, and uh, we'd all be sitting around, usually somebody playing guitars, and uh, somebody else would knock on the door, and I'd say, "If it's another guitar player, you can't come in." And then, and then Dig would always say, "Well, I bet, I bet I can beat you to the door, John," and he and he would too. So he said. You know, so uh, so he's still I, a good. I'm a, yeah, I like I'm in better shape than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're still the leader to the end. Oh yeah, of course he was. Yeah, our fearless leader. Shortly before his death, a benefit concert was held for Dig and his old gang, the RJ's Reform, and play the last ever gig. That must have been a great musical journey for you to go full circle. Obviously, under bad situation, but for the RJs to reform together on the stage, that must have been a great feeling for you guys as musicians. Oh, look, it was. It, it just brought everything back, and everything just came so easy. And Dig still had that uh, that ability to to get the crowd involved. You know, uh, he was a pretty amazing as a live entertainer. You know, which uh, people forget about that. The fact that he could just hold them all and he could he could build the show right to the incredible climax. Uh, when we did the show at, uh, I think I told you before, but when we when we did the show at North Sydney Leagues and uh, and Dig's father came along, you know, he was absolutely in tears, you know, seeing it seeing us all together again. He was Dig's manager for so long, you know, the blunderer. <laughs> Let's finish the episode with another fantastic Digby Richards song. This one was off the Harlequin album released in 1972, Ashton County Park. So we don't need 
Thanks for listening and thanks to Leon Isaacson and Doug Richards for your time and thanks to Digby Richards for the music. If you enjoyed the episode, please click subscribe and if you could leave a review or rating at iTunes, that would be unreal. If you have any guest requests or suggestions, you can email me at mycoast2 at bigpond.com. That's M-Y-C-O-A-S-T, the number two, at bigpond.com. Or like our Facebook page at All Australian Music Stories. I'd like to thank you again for listening and I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. And until next time, hail, hail, Australian rock and roll. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions. Written, produced and presented by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid. This is Molly Kid saying to my good friend, Holly Kirsten, hit it girl. I've got some